Welcome to the podcast edition of the University of Queensland's Young Alumni Webinar, COVID-19 and Tax. This podcast is an edited version of the webinar which was held on the 2nd of July 2020 as part of the UQ Young Alumni Get Finance Fit event program. During this podcast, you will hear from UQ alumnus Nathan Watt. Nathan graduated from UQ with a Masters of Business Administration in 2012 and is now a Chartered Accountant, Registered Tax Agent and the Managing Director of Watson & Watt. Here's Nathan. So tonight is obviously about tax on everyone's mind because a lot of us have been working from home. Tonight, we're going to focus on a few things um, around deductions. Spend most of the time on the working from home deductions because I know that's the most topical one tonight. But first of all, I just wanted to go through how deductions work. There's a lot of misconception in Australia about how um, the tax system works and how deductions work, particularly when we've got the immediate um, asset write-off. So you would have heard $150,000 write-off. Um, a lot of people think that's a one-for-one. It does not work that way. So deductions are only as good as your tax rate. So if if you're on an income of $90,000, now let's say you spend $1,500 on some deductions this year, leaves you with a taxable income of 89,000. Um, on that, you would pay $22,252. And if you didn't spend any, any of that $1,500, you'd pay a tax of 22,792. So you can see that the tax saving is only actually $540, but you've spent $1,500 in cash. So you've got $960 you're still out of pocket. Spending money for a tax deduction just does not make sense. Okay, so when people say, oh, I can write it off on tax, yes, you can but you are still out of pocket the cash. So how do deductions work? Now there's three golden rules for spending money uh, for tax purposes. One is you must have spent the money yourself and you haven't been reimbursed. So your employer, if they reimburse you, you can't can't claim that deduction. It must directly relate to earning your income and you must have a record to prove it. So home office, this is the big one. Um, What can you claim? Well, you can claim electricity, you can claim the cost of um, cleaning it, you can claim phone and internet, computer consumables like your ink and paper and stuff like that, stationery, pens, diaries, calendars, all that sort of stuff, and hardware, so computers, printers, desks, chairs, furniture. But bear in mind the immediate write-off deductions, that the 150000 that doesn't apply to individuals, that's only for the businesses. So the individuals have a grand total of $300 they can claim in any one year for these um, capital costs, these assets. So if your uh, computer chair costs you $500, you can't claim $500 this year. You have to depreciate it over its effective life, which basically means how long does a chair last for and depreciate it over that period. Now, you don't have to work out how long a chair lasts for. The ATO has done that. And on their website, they have an enormous PDF document that tells you what the effective life of assets are, that you can go and look up and, and find that out. So um, you basically get the cost, so $500 divided by eight years or whatever that number is, equals the amount you can claim this year, um, multiplied by your business use. If you spend less than $300 on any of that stuff, you can claim it in the year that you buy it. So a new mouse, um, new keyboard, $100, you can claim that straight up. What can't you claim? You can't claim tea, coffee, milk, toilet paper, any of the stuff that work would normally provide in the kitchen. Um, I know it sounds, you might think that's unreasonable and I'd probably agree with you, but um, it is the way it is. 
um, businesses have different rules in regards to adaptability than individuals do. So even though you're buying more coffee because you're at home or using the toilet more because you're at home, you can't claim that excess um, expense. You can't claim anything to do with your kids or their education while you're homeschooling them. Um, even though you're trying to keep them quiet with the iPad, you can't claim that against your your income. Because um, we go back to the golden rules, it's not directly related to your your income. So that's it. As I said before, you can't claim anything that your employer has provided or reimbursed you for. So if they give you a laptop or monitors or chairs or whatever it is, uh, cables, you can't claim that because you obviously haven't paid for it. And you can't claim your rent, mortgage rates or insurance. So the only way that you can claim occupancy costs or what they're called, so rent, mortgage rates, insurance, stuff like that, the only way you can claim that is if you're running a business from your house. And the classic, classic example is you're running a hair salon from downstairs, you have a couple of chairs and sinks, clients come to your house and get their hair done, that is running a business from your house. If you have a home office where you take phone calls and work from home a few days a week or even full time, that is not the principal workplace, so you can't claim the occupancy costs. So how do we actually calculate these amounts? Well, there's three methods. Let's run through those. So the shortcut method, it's a new one that came out with. It's really easy to implement. It's actually fairly generous in some respects, um, depending on your actual cost. So it's 80 cents per hour that you work from home from the 1st of March to the 30th of June. So it's not for the whole year. So if you work from home at any point from July through to February, you can't use this 80 cents a net. 80 cents an hour method for that period, only from March to June period. So you can't claim every hour that you're, you're there. It's not 80 cents times 24 hours times seven. How many hours did you work? Bless your meal breaks, your lunch or whatever. So normally that would be 38 hours or 40 hours times 80 cents. It's $32 a week that you're claiming for about 12 weeks. So, um, and then multiply that by your tax rate. So it's not a lot of money. You actually have to be working. It's not just emails or phone calls, um, being on call, that sort of stuff. You're actually working. Um, a good one, a good benefit of this is you don't need a dedicated work area. So you don't need a dedicated office or a study. You can be working on the kitchen table or the bench um, and still claim this. If you have multiple people in the house um, who are also working from home at the same time, you can each claim 80 cents an hour. You don't have to pro rata between you, which is handy. Um, but the downside is you can't claim anything else. So if you've gone out and bought a new table or a chair or whatever it is, monitors, you can't claim any of that stuff and the 80 cents an hour. You only get to claim the 80 cents. So no phone, no internet, all that sort of stuff. Um, and the only record keeping you need for this is to keep a record of your hours. So your timesheet, your calendar, um, all that sort of stuff, or your pay slips with the hours that you've worked on it. Now the fixed rate method um, is pretty popular. You probably use that for the rest of the the year, so from July through to February, it's 52 cents an hour. But if you have multiple people in the house all working at the same time, you'll have to pro rata that amount because that 52 cents an hour covers things like electricity. You're not all incurring additional electricity costs, so you have to split that between the people. Um, you need to have a dedicated work area. So this one, you can't claim it if it's just the kitchen bench or the kitchen table. You need to have an office and that's its only use. Um, the good thing with this method is that it's only for those running costs of the room, so electricity and things like that. So you can claim, um, in addition to this amount, your business use of your phone, internet, consumables, depreciation on the chairs, computers, all that sort of stuff. You do need to keep a diary and 
when I mean diary, you know, your, your calendar showing the hours you've worked, that, that's sufficient. You do need the receipts from Officeworks or JB Hi-Fi or, or wherever it is, your phone bills, internet bills. Phone bills, it's a little bit ridiculous, but to work out the business use, you need to go through the phone bill and work out which business calls have been been made versus the private calls that have been made, and that's how you establish your business use. Now, actual cost will need you to get a tape measure um, and measure out the dedicated area and divide that by the total area of the house. It'll also need you to get your electricity bill and work out the average kilojoules that you use and the average units you use per hour, and then multiply that by the number of hours it actually worked. So in other words, it's really painful, but it can provide you with a bigger tax deduction in general, um, most people, I would suggest, will get the best result from the 52 cents method for the least amount of work. Um, it's one I support back for us that we use a lot for, for clients, so I'd be looking to use that. Um, but make sure you have your records. Um, so the shortcut method is easy, but it may not result in the biggest refund um, if you had to buy equipment or increase your internet or your phone or anything like that. Big um, disclaimer on this is the record keeping is key this year. The ACO is going to be all over this. Um, so make sure that you can justify and substantiate the amounts that you're putting in there um, because they will be looking at this and it may not be straight away, but they have a couple of years to come back and have a look at your tax returns. So make sure you've got the, the documents there to support your claims. Some deductions that you might miss. Depreciation is an easy one to miss. Um, if you've ordered a computer in a previous year and you haven't rolled that depreciation over into this year, it's easily, easily lost and forgotten about. If you subscribe to any industry journals that cost you money or books or newspapers that are specific to your industry or, or your line of work, you can claim that, that stuff. For example, if you're a news agent, a real estate agent, you can claim the Saturday paper because it has, you know, a significant property portion in it. If you're a um, stockbroker, you could claim like the financial review. If you're in business and you try and claim the courier mail for a two page business section, you're going to struggle. Um, so it needs to be pretty comprehensive um, and have a fair bit of information in it to be able to claim it as a, as a um, deduction. So it can't be, I'm in business, so I need to know about general business, therefore I'm going to claim the Australian. That's not going to cut it. It needs to be really specific to your industry and your job. Income protection is a tax deduction if you pay for it outside of super. So um, if your super fund is the one that owns the policy, you don't claim the tax deduction in your personal return. But if you have an income protection policy in your own name, uh, you can claim that against your, your income. And donations, they're easy to lose those receipts, especially if you put a few dollars in the, the tin as you walk past, that sort of stuff. You can't claim that because you don't have the receipt. So you need to keep that sort of stuff. If you are going to give donations, make sure you get a receipt from them. And also make sure that they're a deductible gift recipient. Um, so you can be a charity, but still not be able to get um, a deduction for the donation. So they need to have a specific de uh, designation called a deductible gift recipient. So where you see a receipt saying all donations over $2 are tax deductible, that organisation has gone to the ATO and got special clearance um, and a special designation for that. So if you're thinking of giving a donation and you're not sure, you can look it up in the Australian Business Register and see if they are a DGR. And if they are, you can claim it. If, you, if they're not, you cannot claim that as a tax deduction. So tax strategies anyone can use. So this one's for employees. You don't have to be running in a business. Um, the first one's a vehicle. So this can be a 0% business use. So your private car that you go to, to work in, um, go to uni or whatever it is, you don't use it for work at all. A person earning $90,000 a year can save about $1,800 a year 
on a $30,000 car. Now, that's not a one-off benefit. That's year after year after year. $1,800 tax-free. How do we do it? It's a little bit more complicated than tonight's sessions, probably a session in itself. Um, but basically, you're playing with fringe benefits tax versus income tax versus GST. If you want to try and do this, you need to talk to your employer to see if they offer um, salary sacrifice arrangements because they don't have to. Um, but it could be a good one to say, hey, this isn't really going to cost you much um, and it would be a nice little bonus for me. They will need to do some more administration and lodge fringe benefits tax returns. So they'll have some accounting fees and things. But if you can pitch it to them, this could be a good one for you to get a, a nice little bonus. Residential investment properties, um, everyone knows that you can get a negative gearing deduction for those. Um, but there is a separate one that you can use um, where you salary sacrifice expenses. So where there's lots of GST. So not your interest, not that, not that stuff but things like body corporate fees, agent management fees, repairs, um, where it's got GST on those. Normally you can't claim GST on investment properties, residential investment properties, only on commercial. So this one works because when you salary sacrifice, you don't salary sacrifice the GST portion. So you're saving that little marginal, that marginal amount. Um, so that's why the repairs need to be quite significant. GST expenses need to be quite significant to make it worthwhile. But they can be there. Um, really important that those repairs are repairs and not improvements. Otherwise, the whole thing um, doesn't work and you'll probably end up paying tax. So, again, get advice before you go off and, and do that. You need to keep all these receipts and um, documents for five years from the date of assessment, not five years from the end of the tax year. So if you do your taxes in May each year, you have to keep the, the assessment from that, that day. The tax office sends out the notice. How do we keep records? Well, there's a few different ways to do it. Try and keep it as simple as possible. Um, the HDA does have a bit, an app. Uh, it's called My Deductions. It can do your logbook for your car. It can do all sorts of stuff in there. Depending on how comfortable you are with the ATO, knowing your details and what you're going to claim, it's up to you, but they're going to find out soon enough. You can also just have a folder in your email. So if you're getting emailed receipts and invoices, just create a folder called Tax 2020. Um, drag the emails into there and then your filing system is done. Alternatively, you can have Dropbox, Google Drive, Hard Drive, whatever it is. Um, again, just save it there as you get the receipts and the invoices and emails. You can create a folder in your camera roll on your phone and take photos of the receipts. You can use Excel and NetBank um, to categorise your expenses and your income, but you still need the underlying receipt and the invoice. So bank statements themselves or credit card statements themselves don't count as substantiation um, because you don't actually know what the amount was and it's not a tax invoice. So um, so you need to keep the, the receipts. Lastly, if you're in business, um, you look at software programs like HubDoc or Receipt Bank, but for an individual, you wouldn't bother with those. But if you're in business, they are worth their weight in gold. Are you finding this content helpful? For the full webinar recording and other Get Finance Fit events, visit the UQ Alumni Lifelong Learning website at www.alumni.uq.edu.au forward slash lifelong learning. Now, back to the tax webinar with some quick fire questions from the audience. Um, quick question, would a um, desk set up in a common area of your house be considered a dedicated workspace? No. Um, so when supporting a partner financially, can they claim uh, expenses related to that partner's living cost? No. 
Right. What's the difference between getting a professional doing tax returns and doing it by yourself? Um, depends on how hard, how hard your tax return is. So if you're a salary and wage with one or two deductions, um, probably not much. And I tell people all the time, have a go at my tax and just do it yourself. But if you've got um, investments or a business or anything like that or a lot of deductions or odd circumstances, you might want to pay someone to have a look at it because it can get quite complicated. But if you're just running the mill, you go to work and you've got professional memberships or whatever, just do it yourself. All right. If the electricity and internet bills are in my housemate's name, but we share the cost, can I still claim a portion? Um, yes, you could. You'd have to get something from them to say that you've paid them for it. So they'd have to basically charge you for it, I suspect. And so this is this is another one. If I'm not in the house lease, can I still claim if I have a dedicated work area? Yeah, if you're if you're responsible for paying the electricity and things like that, then yeah, you can claim the cents per hour. So it's not who owns the house or who was, who's on the lease, it's who's paying for the expenses. And uh, for the depreciation that you mentioned, if I bought an iPad for work and claimed it last year, do I claim anything for it this year or no, because I already claimed that last year? Um, I suspect it was over $300, so you should have depreciated it <clears throat> last year, so there should be some balance to, to claim this year. But if you've claimed it all last year, there'll be nothing left to claim. Simple one. Don, uh, do we do we need a license to do tax return? Only if you're charging someone for it. So you can do your own tax return. It doesn't cost you anything. You can do your mate's tax return as long as they don't pay you a fee for it. If you're paying anybody a fee for a tax return, they need to be a registered tax agent. How does one become a registered tax agent? Um, you have to study and then you have to apply to the Tax Practitioners Board and meet all their educational requirements. Um, once you've done that, you register um, and you get a certificate saying you're a tax agent and keep up your CPD. If I donate 3K to a registered organisation, what amount can I claim back? All of it, provided it's not a political party. Um, how do you prove the hours you've done as my company doesn't keep timesheets or any records of the hours put in working in banking so the hours are long? Um, you would just need to keep a diary evidence of or login times on your computer or whatever. So, yeah, just a, your own personal calendar or diary that you work the hours. Do we need to pay taxes on the money received by a partner from JobSeeker? The person receiving JobSeeker will pay tax. The partner wouldn't. Yeah, so it'll just go into their tax return as, as income and um, get calculated as normal. So if that's their only income, they'll probably be under the tax-free threshold, so they wouldn't pay any, but yeah, it just gets added to your tax return. We hope you enjoyed hearing from tax expert Nathan Watt. If you would like to hear more from UQ experts, then check out our range of webinars and podcasts on the UQ alumni website or follow UQ alumni on social media. Thanks for listening.